Today's episode of the Growing Up 8 podcast is entitled The Buddy System. Tom's not here. Our collective response to Mom's question of whether everybody was in the back seat was not met with humor or belief. In fact, we really weren't trying to pull one over on her, though to be fair, we had tried on numerous occasions just such a ploy. Tom really wasn't in the car as we pulled away from the Mardi Gras parade and the house we had been viewing it from. Those of us in the far back seat looked behind us and saw Tom with a confused look on his face, waving goodbye to us as we slowly pulled down the street. Not knowing what to do, I looked out the rear window and waved back, smiling. The buddy system was not something invented by my mother, and I'm pretty sure that the military offered some sort of training to its soldiers as to how best to operate as a buddy. We, however, received none, simply having been told that he's your brother, don't let him out of your sight. Mom once agreed to let us go to the movie theater a few blocks away by ourselves, as long as we observed the buddy system. Her buddy system usually involved pairing an older brother with the younger one. Doug would get Tom and Mike would get me. If anyone has to go to the bathroom, make sure you go with your buddy, Mom enjoined us as she loaded our pockets with a few snacks. I recall Mike's rational response. He looked at her incredulously, Mom, I know why I go to the bathroom with David so I can protect him in case something happens but why does he have to go with me? How is he going to protect me? They both glanced at my four-and-a-half-foot, sixty-pound frame. I stared ahead, imagining my reactions to the brawl which would take place in the movie restroom, in which a horde of evil-intentioned teenagers would be waiting to attack me and my older brother. In my mind, it would be the two of us against at least fifteen to twenty grimy delinquents. She didn't even consider his response. Do you want to go to the movie or not? We followed the buddy system without real incident for several years. It became a mere extension of our routine. Mary and Catherine were one another's buddies and had their own system, which for most part was a mystery to us. But then again, I don't remember them ever traveling anywhere just by themselves without all of us. There were sleepovers to be sure and school events, but they had their world and we had ours. They were always welcome in the indoor world of fun and games, but our outdoor life was pretty gender specific. And so the sock wars on the stairway as well as rubber band fights in the den and sleeping in a long hallway in the sweltering Port Arthur summers while cooled by a box fan at one end were co-ed, but bike rides in the neighborhood, street football or hockey, and crawfishing at Jones Creek were male only. Even though normally forbidden to the girls, our rainy day game of knee football did on occasion let them in. Knee football was a unique invention which was done in the narrow hallway connecting all the bedrooms the same hallway where we would sleep if the weather was too hot under the box fan. The rules were simple. It was fourth and goal and the clock ticking down. You had an offensive line and a defensive line and a single running back. The running back's job was to dive and contort his body over the pile of brothers to the satisfaction of Doug and Mike that he was either stopped or had scored. When we let the little ones, John and Mark, play, we also let Catherine play. Generally, these sessions were given the added twist of taking place in slow motion with appropriate sound effects, much to the delight of the wee ones. It could get a little rough, but given the tight space in the hallway, it was generally too cramped for the physical laws that govern speed, mass, and forces acting upon objects to really amount to much harm. Our games usually involved the infliction or realization of pain of some sort, feigned or actual, and if things got a little much, Mom would demand that we take the rough housing outside. She was the perfect mother for six boys. She's picked her spots, and we dearly appreciated her for that. 
Two exceptions to the outdoor co-ed rule were vacations and Illinois. While on vacation, which typically took place in the summer months when school was out, we were a unit, a well-oiled machine built for group photos and maximum fun to be found no matter what the stop, cabins in Arkansas or Wisconsin or Pennsylvania or Tennessee, McDonald's restaurant for breakfast, Stuckey's and their pecan log for rest stops, or any of every any and every scenic view with a quarter-controlled viewfinder. We knew how to enjoy it all. Keeping track of the eight tribesmen at home was a challenging task to be sure, but while on vacation, even when making use of the buddy system, the oversight demanded the utmost vigilance on my parents' part. And, as with most things from our point of view, they handled the task with grace and fairness. Dad had taken us fishing, and though we shared turns casting our little Zebco rods into the still waters of a lake from its shore, we loved the idea of fishing. To have the sun before you and the cool water lapping at your feet was to possess the ultimate sense of freedom. And so we cast on, alongside my father, who, in his black socks and yellow shorts, gave every evidence of a relaxed man at peace with the world. Then something amazing happened. John and Mark were too young to cast with us, but not too young to begin learning the ways of the eight tribesmen. They followed us from the station wagon down to the water's edge, where we had them sit and watch us, offering a few Hydrox cookies, the cheap version of Oreos, as consolation. All was perfect that morning. Though few words were spoken, few needed to be spoken, and all of us, Dad included, were simply enjoying the easy exercise and back-and-forth rhythm of casting for fish. Of course, we were catching nothing. We rarely caught anything, probably because we used bread for bait, and that was not ideal, as it would be keep disintegrating on the hook almost as soon as it hit the water. We were absorbed in the task, workmen and workwomen at one with their work. When, from the corner of my eye, I noticed John had left the spot where he and Mark were quietly watching us and digging holes in the soft ground with twigs and sticks they found. He was standing next to my dad, looking at him casting into the water. I saw my dad's face looking out onto the lake to spot the next target of his cast. I then saw John take a step toward the water and watched helplessly as his stride ride's shoes slipped on the bank and his two feet began to disappear into the water. I also watched as my father, not taking his eyes from the lake, slapped his left hand down quickly and in one motion grabbed John's arm and shoulder and yanked him upwards, restoring him to the shore. Calmly, as he seemed to us to handle most things in life, he reeled in his line and, turning as if nothing had happened, lifted John up and carried him back to the spot, now occupied by Mark, and sat down with both of them. We continued fishing while the three of them watched us and dug holes in the earth looking for bugs. As college students, John and Mark were avid adventurers, perhaps hoping to make up for the fact that at this point in the family history, the other six tribesmen had abandoned our life on the streets and woods and creeks and started their own families, their own adventures. The pair became interested in and talented in rock climbing. They would often leave College Station and head west to Austin and the hill country and even into the further west, Texas, to camp, hike, and climb. This newfound sport was not an unexpected discovery in our minds. Both John and Mark were experienced climbers dating back to just about the time each could walk. John especially was an escape artist going way back, climbing out of his crib, his playpen, the garden walls, and basically anything that presented itself as an obstacle that could and by right should be scaled in an effort to find some greener pasture. Mark spent a good portion of his infancy and toddler days climbing from shoulder to shoulder of his older siblings. 
He had no fear of heights or even being turned upside down and swung through the air as he passed from protective arm to protective arm. A concern of Mom's was that he would never learn or would suffer difficulty walking, since we never seemed to ever put him down. He was a cute little guy whose shoes soles always looked brand new. On one particular trip to the mountains, we stopped at the edge of a stream to have a picnic and perhaps get a few good pictures for Dad's summer vacation album. I remember Doug and Mike staring hungrily at a wall embankment across the rapidly flowing stream. The water, though not deep, was moving fast, but easily crossed by stepping from rock to rock. Of course, we all followed. Soon, much to the concern of Mom, I'm sure six mountaineers were working their way spider-like across the small goat trail of the tall, rocky riverbank. Our backs were to Mom and Dad on the opposite side of the water as we gripped the handholds and footholds of the rock face. We then heard someone shouting at us, Get them! Turning our heads to face the other way, we could see the two tiny figures of John and Mark scaling the passage we had left behind, trying desperately to catch up and keep up with us. When we had returned safely to the opposing shore, packed up the picnic, and returned to the station wagon to continue our trip, we all could sense that something was not quite right. Mom had not said a word to us and seemed uncharacteristically reflective. Something was bothering her a good deal, and we understood that it would be best if we tread lightly and a bit more obediently for the next couple of days. We learned something in that experience on that day that we had never before quite pieced together. The lesson was etched on the wordless face of our mother, a face knitted in worry and fear. The true point of the buddy system was that you care for your buddy and shield them as much as possible from any harm, and Mom and Dad were as much a part of our buddy system as we were of theirs.